Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you want to learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses for millions of dollars for over 15 years. Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy. Have you stopped dreaming? Are you at a point in your life where you have stopped dreaming? Well, you might want to listen to this podcast with Tony Kitchens. He certainly hasn't stopped. He comes to us from Georgia. Here's my chat with Tony. Tony, thanks for joining us here today. What's going on? Thanks for having me, JP. It's really good to meet you. And I'm excited to be able to share some information with your audience. Excellent. Great stuff. Uh, so what kind of information are you thinking of sharing? Just wanted to talk about business and anything that you want to discuss on top of that and how we as individuals and business owners can move beyond where we are today to really feel those goals and dreams that we've had as, as young people and the ones that we've had more recently in life. We got to follow our dreams. That's right. Following. It's all about following dreams. You're Speaking of following, you're in Georgia right now. Yes. What took you to Georgia? How did you find yourself there? My father was born in Georgia. And interestingly enough, he and my mom met in Chicago when they were much younger, of course. My mom was from Puerto Rico. He was from Georgia. And I just moved to Georgia about a year and a half ago from Puerto Rico. We moved there from Chicago for nine years. Didn't really plan it this way. So I've lived the same place my mom was born, and now I live in the same place my dad was born. Yeah, with uh, time in between, which is very interesting, or uh, with time in Chicago as well. So what inspired the move from Chicago to Puerto Rico? I just wanted to have a better life for my family, meaning that in Chicago, you know, they were going through a lot of, the city was going through a lot of challenges, and we lived in the suburbs, but still, you were affected by it. And we had a young son, and we wanted him to play like we play when we were kids, running up and down the street, riding bikes, chasing the ice cream truck. And we didn't really have that in the suburbs of Chicago because everybody kind of stuck with themselves. And we wanted to get away from politics and everything else. So we moved there. My son started fifth grade there. He fell in love with it, which was great. It made the transition a lot easier. My wife was reluctant, but then she fell in love with it. And we're just addicted to the people, to the island, the culture. That's an amazing place. So that's so interesting. And I love the play, right? As you say, and I know one of your thinking is to, you know, to be as we were when we were younger, to play, to to love, to enjoy. So you go to Puerto Rico, you spend nine years there. Why leave? Well, my son just started college. He's in at Berkeley College of Music up in Boston. So we left in 2021. We it was it was rough. We sold our home. We packed up everything that we wanted to bring with us in two seven by seven foot shipping containers. Just imagine that. We shipped that stuff from Puerto Rico to Georgia. We flew from Georgia to Chicago, visited the in-laws for, for a day, and then drove up to Boston, got him settled. We were there for two weeks living out of a hotel, getting him settled in school in his apartment, drove back to Chicago. <laughs> 16, 17 hours to pick up the puppy and then drove from Chicago to Georgia. We rented a house, leased a house, never seen it in person. And it was a whirlwind. That in itself is a whole podcast. Like just thinking of that, that exercise, that trip, you know, to to move from Puerto Rico, as you say, up to Chicago, driving across, 
settling your son, getting back, going, heading back down to, to Georgia, that in itself. Uh, and it must have been quite a, uh, quite an exercise for you personally as well, right? Uh, there's a big shift occurring there as well. And uh, obviously big changes in your life as that occurred, right? Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, because here you are trying to get comfortable leaving your your only child in a state where he's he's been before, but he's never lived in an apartment, not even a dorm where he has that community. And during just, COVID, right? During all this craziness, you said it's, that was 21, right? So you would have been right in the middle of all that nonsense as well. Yeah, it was, he had to do his test every week. And then after that, then trying to figure out life without your son in the house, which was the, the craziest thing ever, because as a dad, now it's it's like, okay, what's my purpose in life? At the same time, waiting for furniture deliveries in Georgia for six months. I mean, JP, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that for anybody to do. It was just absolutely crazy. Yeah, a time of angst, I'm sure, and a lot of time uh, for reflection. So, uh, how old are you now? Fifty-one. Fifty-one. So you know, right, you know, right around at, uh, you know, the, a milestone birthday. An awful lot's going on. Awful lot of thinking and. Uh, You've done some writing on this. You've done some thinking on this. What kind of lessons can you impart? Uh, what kind of things have you learned through this process? As far as the move is concerned? Just life. Like that's a big change life. in all the things. Like so perspective, right? To talk about the perspective that you now have as a result of that and all your other experiences. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if we had a thousand hours, I wouldn't be able to finish. But I would summarize it this way is we go through life. And when we're young, we're very ambitious. We have goals. We have dreams. We have ideas, things that we want to accomplish. We have a picture of ourselves, who we want to become, and life happens. Things happen. And as opposed to letting those things knock us off track with our goals, what I've learned is, is there really isn't a finish line in life. And I think having that perspective, knowing that now on the other side of it, then you understand it's like a long road trip where you have to enjoy all of the bumps that come along the way, you have to accept the detours. You have to accept the traffic is going to move faster some days, slower some days. You may have people who go with you along the journey just partially. And then some people are going to be there for the long haul. You're going to get flat tires. That's what life really is. So life is the journey. You're saying life is the journey, right? And appreciate it as such. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I know it sounds cliche-ish, but the reality is, is this, is all of the things that you go through, good and bad, those things really mold you into somebody else. So I'm the same person I was many years ago in many aspects, but in other aspects, I have more resilience, more determination, more willpower, more focus, all of those things. And the only way I was able to recognize those traits is by facing adversity and staring it in the face and say, no, I have a dream, have many dreams. And no matter what the adversity is, I put my focus on my dreams more than the problem. And problems will occur. You'll have thoughts that ah, maybe maybe you're getting too old for these things, or maybe those dreams were crazy. You were young, you were dumb, you didn't know any better. But my my dreams are at my forefront. So when little things come in life and big things come in life, I always have a saying that's not new, but I say it to myself, which is, this too shall pass. And I know that whatever it is, bad or even the good times, they don't last forever. But if you have that dream in front of you at all times, you'll stay on that road. You'll stay on that path. 
What are your dreams? A couple of them I share with you, a couple I won't because I don't want people to think that <laughs> that I'm crazy. <laughs> <laughs> crazier, crazier, Tony. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because all the, the dreams I've had in the past, people thought I was I was nutty. I mean, really, to, to uproot your family and just move to a small island. People thought I was crazy until they visited and said, oh, my God, I want to move. OK, a couple of things that, that I definitely want to do is I want to do more philanthropic work. We've done a lot over the years as a family, my wife, my son and myself. I want to continue to do a lot more of that. And philanthropy is much different than charity. Charity, you just write a check. You give it to an organization. Who knows what happens? Philanthropy is when you take up a cause or join a cause and you put not only your money, but your time and your resources into it. And you're looking for long term goals and you follow the process and you follow the progress of those projects. So we've had some philanthropic projects, especially over in Kenya and Africa. And we want to continue to do a lot more of that. That's one thing. The second thing is, is to be able to really help entrepreneurs. Because JP, here's the reality. There's so much noise out here on the internet. There are so many gurus, so many people who can tell you how to live your life, but they're living in their mom's basement and they're 15 years old, right? Where's the experience? Or people that want to tell you how to run a business. I'll go start an LLC because it only takes 15 minutes to do. Both of those norms on, from social media standpoint are totally false. The narrative is totally false. What I want to do is to be able to give people realistic information based on my experiences. I do that through speaking engagements and I do that through consulting small businesses and startups because there's nothing like learning from people who have been where you're trying to go or who are where you're trying to get to. And that's what my life is dedicated to. Yeah, that's great because you've built a business. Tell us about the struggles to build to build that business, and yeah, tell us about the struggles to build that business that you experienced along the way. Yeah, what I find is, and I've talked to my wife about this. It was much easier to start a business back when I did, which is in 1991. It was much easier because there was no noise. This was pre-internet, and you file your your articles of incorporation. I had a friend of mine who happened to be an attorney. He helped me do that, and he helped me broaden it so that it was. It was broad enough to to be able to offer a lot of products and services, which I did. I had to call people up on the actual telephone and speak to people and tell them about the value proposition that I had. You had to go sit down and meet people. They wanted to see you. They wanted to touch you, to interview you. And that was very different than today. And those days, looking back, it was much easier than it is today because, again, there was no noise. And that one company, I had no idea, but 29 years later, I had to close it in 2019. We generated more than $110 million in revenue just from that one company, more than I can ever imagine. I had big dreams and big goals, but they weren't necessarily just financial. It was more about the life, freedom, financial freedom. So the challenges that I faced along the way, specifically to your question was, how do you grow this business? And the way I overcame those challenges, it's a very simple formula. Again, you find people who are where you're trying to go. So I looked at people, uh, this gentleman named George Galbraith who worked at IBM. And IBM, they were the gods back in the 90s. I mean, these people were just, they knew how to do it. They had this uniform, white shirt, blue shirt, suits. And George was kind enough 
to sit down and talk to me. And he mentored me. And he sat with me for a number of years. And he got customers for me. And he trusted that I would do the work if he got the customers for me. And I still, today, I still talk to George. And that's one of the things was, is it's, you need a mentor. You need somebody who can guide you along this journey. And he was the biggest mentor that I had at that point. So he he was able to get me a, a head start, so to speak. But the key is I had to do the work. I couldn't waste his time. I took his advice because he offered it and I followed it step by step. And that's the thing that I would also tell audience members. When you do find a mentor, they're not going to give you all the secrets. But the worst thing you could do was waste their time because they will disengage quickly and they'll never re-engage with you. Because if you're going to them for advice and guidance, they want to invest their time and energy into people who are going to work 110%. So the biggest thing with me was finding a mentor, which I found it. Once I found a mentor, the sky was the limit because I, I would talk to George every day, every day. George, here's, I got a potential opportunity over here. What do you think about? Oh, yeah, he used to call me T-Man. Hey, T-Man, that's no problem. This is what we can do. You and I can sit down. We'll go together. Really, George? You're going to go with me? Sure. Let's go do it together. That is what's missing from today. Because today, people think they throw up a post of them smiling on social media and everybody's going to like them and everybody's going to run toward them. That's not the case. Well, it's a it's a mile wide and an inch deep these days, right? And I think that's what you're hitting on. Uh, the you know there used to be things of much more substance, and it's it's still important to have that substance, and that's what we are striving towards, right? Or are trying to help others get to as well. Your business was doing over hundred million dollars in revenue. You had to shut it down. It must have been very painful to do that. It wasn't a hundred million a year, but it was hundred and ten million over those twenty nine years, and we grew every single year, every year, and there was a perfect storm of events. And in 2019, forced me to make the decision. It's my responsibility. It's my decision. No matter what happens on the outside, it's still my responsibility. And I was forced to close it because we started bleeding and we couldn't patch up the wound. And it just would have got a lot worse than it did. And it was an ugly train wreck. I mean, there were bodies spread all over the place. <laughs> there was just train parts just all over the place. It was it was horrible, absolutely horrible. And I didn't have time to sit and really process that because four months later, COVID hit. And then what do you do in this world where my only source of income at that time evaporated? Because whenever you have a business challenge, you throw everything you can at it, including your personal resources, your time, your effort, your money. You throw everything into it because you know that if you breathe life into it, you'll be able to get those things back on track, which it didn't happen. It didn't end that way. So I'm forced, JP, at that point to look at life and say, okay, what do I do at this point? Who am I? And what do I have to offer to the world? And it was a very, very difficult time. But here's the thing, JP, as bad as it was for me and everybody involved, and I say that with with all due respect, with everybody involved, our vendors, suppliers, everything that's involved in, in, in dissolving a corporation, that it was one of the best things that ever happened to me. From that standpoint, from a business, personal or professional standpoint, I should say, not personal, professional, because in that time, what you realize is you have to take stock of everything you've been through in life and what has life given you, not taken from you, 
What has life given you to be prepared for these moments? And I had to dig deep and just sit there and not be complacent, but sit there and look at how I got through situations in the past and how was I going to get through this situation today? So I was forced to reflect. And what I learned at that moment was, which I always knew, was that life will test you because I still had these lofty goals and dreams, right, JP? They don't go away. They don't. And inside of me, I said, I have to still pursue those things. Even though I couldn't sleep, I didn't sleep for months. It was horrible. I mean, it was just, it was terrible. But I had to pursue those things. But what I learned was life had prepared me. Life was just giving me one more test to say, hey, Tony, are you really ready for these big goals and big dreams that you say you have? Because if you are, I'm going to give you this test. And if you can get through this and get to the other side, It's going to tell me that you are ready and that you are willing. So everything I went through, I said, I'm going to get an A on this. I'm going to get an A plus on this test. And it wasn't easy. It took several years. But here we are, you and I, talking about this very thing that I couldn't even think about at that point. It was so painful. That's right. That's right. I mean, it kept you up. Obviously, you weren't even able to sleep. You've written on, obviously, you've written uh, The Gift of Pain. Tell us about the philosophy of the book. Absolutely. It was it was around that same time. I, rem- I had an office behind the house in Puerto Rico, even though my main office was in Chicago. And I remember walking out from the back of the house, walking toward my office. And I remember telling my wife, I said, the gift of pain. I said, it keeps you up late at night. It wakes you up early. And it's one of the cleanest burning fuels I've ever experienced besides love. What we won't do for love, but what we won't do to avoid pain is also the second half of that question. And I didn't know what it was going to turn into. I just said it. She said, if you don't use it, I'm going to use it. (laughs) I said, don't use it. Just give me time. And after COVID hit, again, it was therapeutic for me. I just had to figure out how to get through this thing. So what I did, JP, was I just put out a laptop and nothing else to do. And I just started typing out all of the things that I went through, the deaths of my parents, the Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, 4,000 people died. The, the eye of the storm went right over our house. And it was rough. It was rough. So I looked at that. I looked at all of these things that had happened. And I just typed out how I got through them. And 100,000 words later, I said, this is some good information. Good in a sense that it can help other people. And I continued to write. And I just told my wife, I need to organize this into a thought. Organize this into a book. And the title of the book became that saying that I had several months before that, because it took me about three months to write. And when I wrote JP, I never cared about who would read it, who would judge me for anything that I put in it, because it wasn't a book. It was just, it was literally just a journal to help me. Yeah. Stream of consciousness as you were processing all. And it's obviously, well, it's now obviously in book form, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So it was, it was for me. It wasn't for anybody else. And that's kind of the scary thing is when you write something for yourself and then you take it in its raw form. And I just sent it to the editor who was a person that I knew, a lady named Jara, who had did web copy for us for years at my company on our sites. I just gave it to her and she knows me. She knows me very well, but she took out a hundred pages and I finished with about 353 pages. I had a lot to say. But I was really saying it to myself. 
But then when you take that in that raw format and then you just give it to somebody and say, just make sure that it makes sense grammatically. And she did. And then you get it, put a cover on it and you allow the world to read it. It's walking down the street naked because yeah, I didn't really, write it. Yeah, I didn't write it for the people. I wrote it for myself. So it's yeah. very, very personal, right? It's very personal. It's a, you know, as we say, the stream of consciousness, as you process, I went through some very difficult times, obviously. And so, Tony, I mean, it's powerful to hear. What are some of the, the lessons you can leave the viewers with? The book called Gift of Pain. If you can let people know how to, how to find it and the best way to contact you, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. Through my website, TonyRKitchens.com. You can find the book there under the shop tab. As far as things for the audience is concerned, here's what I would say. Bad times never last that long. And... Good times never last that long. And people always wonder about this work-life balance. There's no such thing. There are days and times of your life, periods of your life, you're going to work extremely hard and you're going to neglect your personal life. Then there are times you're going to work extremely hard on your personal life and neglect your business life or neglect your job or other relationships. Now, here's the thing you have to do is get comfortable with that and understand that that is a reality. Because if you fight that and try to have this 50-50 balance, you're never going to be effective at either one. Because in life, your personal life, a lot of times is going to take precedent. There's something very pressing that you have to focus all of your energy and attention onto. And other things, you got to let them go for a little bit. That's the way it works. So things, good things and bad things don't last very long. And what that does is it gives me a level set, JP, to know that tomorrow, whatever happens, good or bad, it's going to pass. It's going to pass. So I don't get too high for good news, and I don't get too sad about bad news because I know that both of those situations are just part of life. And the other thing that's very important is your circumstances. Whatever you're, whatever you're dealing with today, circumstances, feelings, situations, that doesn't stop you from having your dreams and going after your dreams. At my lowest points in life, again, I still had my dreams at the forefront. After I shut the company, I didn't know what I was going to do about anything. But here's the thing, and I'll actually show you this. I'm not going to show you all the details, but that's a card. It's just a laminated card that I had made. And that card stays in my pocket every single day, all day. I sleep with it. And JP, I had one when I first started my first company. And on one side, I had $400,000 on it. That was it. And I got it laminated at Office Max. So that's going to date me. <laughs> but here's the thing. Every time I touched my pocket, just grazed my pocket or went in my pocket, it reminded me of that goal I set. So no matter what was going on, I refocused and recentered on that goal. And it's the same thing now. When I was closing a company, if you see the stuff that I've had written on this card, you would say, how do you even think that that's going to happen? But here's the thing. Every single day, I take three to five even more steps toward the things on that card because they are clearly within my focus. When I wrote them, I was completely sober and sane. So why should I avoid them or why should I run away from them just because I have tough days? Well said, Tony. Well said. I appreciate uh, that you uh, you have maintained that focus, you know, through the good and bad, as you say. 
And I got to tell you, it's, it really has piqued my interest. I'd like to end these episodes with one thing that people can do with through, through the rest of the day or the rest of the week for themselves. You're clearly doing that on a daily basis. Can you give us uh, some idea of what's on the card and the things that you're driving to and maybe the same type of thing that people can do to put the wheels in motion to achieve their own dreams? Yeah, absolutely. On one side is a picture of something that's that is it's a material thing, because here's the reality. You have to shoot for material things. This esoteric, I'm going to be a better person. What does that even mean? Have a material goal that you have in mind. So on one side of the of the card, I have a material thing. The other side, I have four items. One is a material thing. One is a dollar amount. And two are visions of who I'm going to be. And that's what I have on that card. And really powerful stuff. We hear time and time again, setting goals. It's essentially setting goals. It's, like, it's a constant reminder for you, isn't it? It is. It is. I was walking this morning and even yesterday and I was walking and I, I had one line that I repeated for 35 minutes when I was outside in the neighborhood. One line. That's it. And I literally repeated that, JP. I would say that one line, repeat it. Say that one line and repeat it. The whole walk. Same thing with today. It started raining. I had to cut it short. But the point is, is when you ingrain that stuff in your head, who you want to become and what you want to achieve, you don't have room for doubt. So here's one thing that you mentioned for your audience. What would I do tomorrow if I was your audience member? What would I do tomorrow? One, you have two access points in life, your eyes and your ears. I would do everything I can to plug those things up so that negative information doesn't come in. So I would stop listening to news. I haven't watched the news in years, literally. If something bad happens, somebody will call and tell you. So I would stop looking at the news. I would stop scrolling through social media, looking at pictures of people who are portraying fake lifestyles. Then I would replace those things with good things. For example, I love to read biographies and autobiographies of people and how they've succeeded beyond great odds. And maybe that's how I've been able to do it because I've had so many role models through these pages of books. And then I listen to podcasts. I listen to audiobooks of the same genre. So I'm constantly filling my eyes and ears with very positive information. So that's the first thing that I would do tomorrow for anybody listening. The second thing is I would sit in silence for maybe 30 minutes and really think about what makes you happy. Whatever that is, you want to be a circus clown, but your parents invested too much in you for, in college tuition. Right. Or your friends would think you're crazy to leave this good job to become a circus clown. But if that makes you happy and as you sit in silence for 30, 40 minutes and just really think what makes you happy and that's it. Forget about everybody else on Earth, including family members. And you make that the goal. And every single day you wake up with that goal in mind and you figure out how to do it. You ask people, you read about it, you research, how do I become that thing? And you just get dogged with it. Like a dog with a bone, you don't let it go. And then sooner or later, you would have achieved your goal. But JP, here comes the responsibility though. When you and I and your audience members achieve our goals is we have to bring other people with us because our dreams are connected to other people's dreams and vice versa, meaning that I want to be able to, to let people know about my book because I think there's really good information in there. You and I never met. This is the first time we met. You have a dream to get information out to as many people as you can to help them. 
That's your dream, one of your dreams. Our dreams collided. Your dream and my dream intersected. Intercepted and in a very special way, meaning that we didn't know each other, but here we are trying to accomplish our dreams and the universe, for lack of a better description, brought us together for this time. And the audience members benefit from you and I having dreams. And we have to realize that our dreams are so important because somebody else's dreams are going to connect to ours one day. So this is a community of people that we have to be our best because when we are our best, we bring so many other people along for the ride. And when other people are at their best, they'll open doors for us that they didn't even realize, that they'll create opportunities for you and me that they didn't even realize. And you and I may never meet in person, but I'm I'm eternally grateful that our dreams collided for this podcast. So thank you again for that. Wow, Tony, that was absolutely wonderful. Thank you as well. I'm very happy that our dreams collided as well. And I think that the, you and I have benefited from it. And I'm sure those listening will have as well. Thanks so much for being on the show. Look forward to checking again. Please keep in touch and we'll chat with you next time on The Millionaire's Learn. Thank you, JP. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmcavoy.com. That's jpmcavoy.com.